Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we're going to have a couple of sports-related announcements and news, including one uh, confirmed case of COVID-19 with the Ottawa Senators organization. As of yet, still remains to be announced who actually tested positive, but it is one of the players. A lot of uh, pro sports players are coming down with COVID-19, especially abroad in Italy, where the virus is is just on an absolute rampage, especially through northern Italy. But even the pro players for teams like Juventus and Fiorentina and multiple other teams have had COVID-19 outbreaks in recent times. I have a feeling the NHL is going to see an increase in the number of reported cases because these guys all hang out together, they spend a lot of time together, they travel together, and when you're in locker rooms with a lot of moisture and bodily fluids... Unfortunately, viral outbreaks and infections tend to be pretty common. If you're a Patriots fan, you're also probably feeling a little bit of extra bitterness because Tom Brady is no longer going to be with the team. He spent the last 20 years of his career with the same franchise, and now it looks like he will be heading to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A number of other QBs signed with other teams today, including Philip Rivers. It sounds like Teddy Bridgewater is also moving. Marcus Mariota signed elsewhere. And then for some reason, the Browns signed Case Keenum for three years at $18 million. Could you imagine paying a guy like Case Keenum, who is maybe a third stringer at best, almost the same amount of money that you would put on, say, an NHL superstar like Nikolai Ehlers? I know it's often said that the NHL is a small league, but holy cow, dude, the NHL is a really small league when you compare it to some of the other mega deals that happen in sports like MLB and in the NFL. Beyond that, not much has happened in the NHL world beyond the fact that NHL players were actually allowed to return home, although I I don't know if that was 100% the best idea right now. I think that the next two weeks are really pivotal for stopping guys from traveling, period. Being home with your family is very important, of course, but this is also a time when you need to really self-quarantine and make good decisions. The stakes don't just involve yourself, they involve everyone around you, and I think that that's why this decision for the NHL to relax the travel restrictions a bit, in my opinion, is kind of a mistake to do it now. I think that they needed to wait a couple of weeks, especially now that we know that at least one player has COVID-19. People were saying that they thought for the longest time symptomatic carriers were the ones propagating the virus, but I was always of the mindset that it's actually your asymptomatic carriers that are the serious issue because those folks are not really going to know that they're infected and they're going to keep going about their daily routines because they don't know enough to self-quarantine. That is why you're going to see a surge in case numbers over the next few weeks. So, something to keep an eye on. With the hockey and world news out of the way, I think it's time to talk about my favorite subject of this evening's podcast, which is going to be getting started with the Nintendo Switch. For those of you who follow Sean Woodley of our Locked On Raptors podcast, which is a fantastic one if you're an NBA fan and also happen to like the Toronto Raptors, I can't stand Toronto sports, so sorry, Sean, that's one thing that I uh, unfortunately won't subscribe to, but his podcast I've actually listened to, fantastic, great show, lots of really interesting stories and facts, and he always has some really great interviews, including one tonight with Katie Heindel of Dime Uprocks. Be sure to give Locked On Raptors a listen. It's a great show, and as always, we appreciate all the support for Locked On. 
Now, Sean is actually a brand new Nintendo Switch owner, and navigating the sea of Nintendo Switch games can be very challenging, especially when you consider the fact that the eShop is very robust at this stage of the console's life cycle. To be quite frank, there's a ton of crap on the Nintendo Switch, and it's hard to know which ones you need to start with. But let's talk about your very basic core essentials first. You need to own Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is like your your bog standard part of your core collection, and it's because Breath of the Wild is one of the best action RPGs ever made. It's an open-world game in the style of, like, Shadow of Mordor and some of the other recent Assassin's Creed kind of games. But this is, of course, Legend of Zelda, and the way that the game systems interact rather organically, but in, in a way that you can actually discover how each part interacts with the environment or with enemies, is a really natural discovery process. Combat is, of course, very fun. Exploration is typically rewarded, and there are plenty of dungeons and loot puzzles to solve if you really want to test yourself. Mario Kart 8 is also a fantastic game. I mean, it's it's basically what you expect, you know, Mario Kart on the Switch. It's going to look nice. It's going to have, obviously, great multiplayer. There's going to be plenty of customization options for um, selecting which character you want to roll with. Obviously, all of the multiplayer modes and party modes are, are what tend to draw people to Mario Kart, but if you play it on your own on the go, it's plenty of fun as is. Again, it's Mario Kart. For the most part, the Mario games in general are just a safe bet on Switch because almost all of them are good. I don't know that there's really like a bad Mario game except some of like the weird spin-off ones that are less popular. Most folks I'd recommend starting with Super Mario Odyssey because that is the bonafide Super Mario 3D adventure game that I think that defines the Switch as one of the best handheld experiences around because it delivers a full console platformer in a very small handheld size but without any of the compromises you might think. Getting away from Mario, you also should own one of Pokemon Shield or Sword. Both games are fantastic. I think most people tend to gravitate towards Pokemon Sword because the legendary Pokemon available there are more offensive in style, and people tend to like, I guess, the flashier attack patterns and stuff. I have Shield myself, and it's just fine. I mean, a lot of the content is very similar. It's just a couple of differences in which Pokemon you can choose as your ultimate. But it's still a great experience regardless of which game you get, and I think it's one that if you're a Pokemon fan or have even a passing interest, you have to have. I'd also recommend if you're on the action-oriented side, picking up Daemon X Machina. Machina is like a, I guess you could say it's armored core for the Switch, which I'm not sure really goes far enough, but that's that's what I'd approximately liken it to. If you've never played Armored Core, it's a 3D mech battling game with a ton of customization and really a, a pretty deep progression system. Machina has less sim-like aspects, and Armored Core wasn't exactly a sim either, but it definitely had a very grounded, more realistic approach. Demon X Machina is very stylistic and very action-centric, and I think that that makes it a fun game. It does show some of its, well, I would say limitations on handheld mode, because this is a pretty system-intensive game, and now that Machina is now on PC, you might have an excuse to think about maybe trying it on PC rather than the Switch. I do think, though, that you you just have to play it. I think that's a really fun time. I think if you love giant robots and action, this is an easy recommend. It does get a little bit disorienting on a small screen, but if you can look past the explosive special effects and shifting camera angles, this is a fantastic game either way. With the main party titles out of the way, there are also a host of other really great titles that are actually pretty well known and, and fairly big names. And I think one that is... Um, worth really checking out is is Tetris 99. Tetris 99 is free to play, but you do have to have a, a Nintendo Switch online membership to actually play it because it is an online Tetris Battle Royale. 
It's a very quirky approach to the Tetris formula, watching your opponents as they one by one knock out and fail, and you start to you know trim down from the initial amount of players to a very select few who are trying to survive as long as possible. And in all honesty, the formula shouldn't work, but Tetris 99 seems to have caught on with a lot of folks. I think it has more of a dedicated cult following than the mainstream Battle Royale appeal, but it's still a very fun game, and it's also free to try if you have an online subscription service, so not a bad deal. Fire Emblem Three Houses is also one of the more, I guess, not necessarily first-party titles, but still pretty pretty well-known as far as Nintendo's reputation is concerned. Fire Emblem is another deep tactical RPG with great visuals, a moving story, strong characterization, just the exact kind of game that you, if you've played any of the Fire Emblem games before, you know what you're getting into. A well-crafted game world with a story of self-discovery and intense conflict between these sort of pseudo-medieval but fantastical elements of these kind of warring houses. The turn-based strategy action is also pretty nice, and the rendered cutscenes that play when you initiate an action are always very attractive. If you want something a little bit flashier, though, Astral Chain remains one of the standout action titles that Platinum has put out, especially on mobile handheld devices. It's one that I actually haven't had as much time to play, but from what I've been able to sample of it, it's very fun, and it kind of has this weird neo-futuristic vibe with like a lot of sci-fi action, Definitely if you like cyberpunk or some Blade Runner vibes mixed with an anime series called Gantz, which if you've never seen Gantz, also very interesting, kind of has that feel to it. There's mecha action, there's intense one-on-one battles, really flashy special effects, lots of monsters to defeat. Just a really fun game from what I've been able to take part in. It's still on my backlog to finish, but I think it's a pretty easy recommend. I also think that if you haven't played any of the Dark Souls games, the Dark Souls Remasters port is pretty solid. It's not amazing, but I think that is a, it's a fair entry point if you've never played the series. And the original Dark Souls remains one of the hardest games around. I do think that the wealth of information now that exists about how to play it makes this approach a little bit easier. But again, it's still a hard game mechanically speaking. I'd actually recommend Dragon's Dogma more personally. I'm a huge fan of Dragon's Dogma, and it's a very different game than Dark Souls, but you can kind of see that it came out around the same time. And Dragon's Dogma is an action RPG where you basically hunt giant mythical beasts. Um, It's a little bit hard to describe because there aren't many games like it. I guess the closest thing that you could compare it to is like a really heavily redone version of Dark Souls, maybe mixed with like some Devil May Cry. Honestly, though, it's one of those games that you just have to play to figure out if it's really for you because it's kind of hard to describe. But if you like uh, Western-influenced action RPGs coming from the Eastern side of things, it's a fascinating game and one that really deserves a sequel. For the more standard JRPG fare, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is one of Nintendo's big uh, system sellers. It it, It definitely holds up pretty well, and there's like an expansion available. I haven't had as much time to get into it, but it's one of the hallmarks and and really one of the initial titles at launch that Nintendo Switch owners were basically foaming at the mouth for. The art style is fantastic and the game world is massive, and I feel like if you like any of these style of RPGs, there's just not really a better option out there. It's definitely a favorite of Switch owners for a reason. If you've yet to play Doom, I would also recommend the Doom port. It's surprisingly good, one of the best, uh, I guess, first-person shooter ports that I've seen on the Switch, and it's not like there are all that many. In general, FPSs are pretty limited on this system, but the ones that are out there are a little bit mixed. Doom, though, is a fantastic port. They proved that they could actually take the experience of the arena shooter and sort of merge it down into something of a smaller format. 
there are definitely sacrifices, but I feel like as far as ports go, Doom is fantastic. The other port that I can't hesitate to recommend is Witcher 3, and if you've never played Witcher 3, I'm not sure that starting with a Switch version is the best way to go about it, but even still, uh, with the continued work and development that the porting group has done to optimize it for the Switch, they've really accomplished a technical marvel. The Witcher 3 does have a lot of compromises compared to its console and PC brethren, but if you've never experienced a story and are looking for an entry point to take on the go, I, I really have to say just stop listening and buy it now. It's one of the best action RPGs ever made, great story, great visuals, a lot of meaningful choices, and uh, a really good combat system, if a little bit simplistic on the lower difficulties. The granddaddy of all ports, though, is definitely going to be Skyrim, because I don't know that there's a, a system around in existence that doesn't have some version of Skyrim on it. Honestly, if they ever tried to like port Skyrim to the DS, I would not be shocked. It just seems to be one of those ubiquitous system games that, no matter what console you have, you have to own it at least once. Even like seven or eight years on, Skyrim remains one of the most compelling RPGs of all time, and it still it still holds up pretty well, even though it's a little bit on the older side. I don't remember if this one has mod support, but there are plenty of post, uh, post-launch patches and stuff to in- improve the performance and really optimize this for the uh, Switch. Even still, though, this game runs fantastically. I enjoy it a lot. It's fun to dive in on the go. And while I hesitate to recommend this particular version as the definitive um, release of Skyrim, it's it's really not. It is at least a great entry point if you've never played it. The last one I'll recommend is going to be Hyperlight Drifter. And if you've never played Drifter, it's a fantastic Souls-like isometric um, dungeon-crawling roguelite with really intense combat, very punishing gameplay, and um, a very interesting game world that's not really described, but you can understand the backstory through visuals and enemy encounters. It does have a steeper learning curve and you will find yourself dying a lot, and that's unfortunately one of the one of the real challenges with this game is it doesn't hold your hand and you have to get used to a, a combat system where you have very timed and, and limited attack ability and limited ammo, so you have to time your, your sword attacks perfectly, you need to make use of projectiles very carefully, there's just a little bit to balance in what can often be very chaotic battles and, and sequences, especially against bosses. These next few recommends are a little bit more off the beaten path, but I feel like some of these are absolutely the best games that the Nintendo Switch has to offer, even if not that many people have played it. And I would say the first one I'm going to elect is Battleship Brigade. This one exists on a lot of different platforms, but for me, it's one of the truly great RPG puzzlers that exist out there. I feel like it has a fantastic art style, a fun and cute story, a great thematic element of this um fantasy world where you know you you cook what you basically cook what you kill you know you go out on hunts you hunt these mythical animals and creatures and then you take the ingredients back and and do a match three puzzler to cook it it's such a weird mashup of genres that on the face of it doesn't work but when you actually play it it's a fantastic game even though the uh the game itself doesn't last all that long it's a pretty short experience but i would absolutely recommend it if you've never played it before For those looking for some great top-down RPG action, Darksiders Genesis is also a great one. I haven't actually been able to play this one on Switch, but I have played it on PC, and it's a really fun game. Dungeon crawlers continue to be very popular, and I think the Switch is a very natural transition point. The one that most people will gravitate towards is probably Diablo 3. I have not played this port, but everyone says Diablo 3 is great on the Switch, uh, with some a little bit of um, like Nintendo bonus content or whatever. Seems like a pretty decent game, decent port. I think the one that I play the most, though, is definitely Torchlight 2. Torchlight always holds a special place in my heart as one of the 
really true first isometric action RPGs that I played, mostly because it was kid-friendly, and when I was younger, I wasn't allowed to play some of the darker, grittier games. I also straight up was not interested in action RPGs for the most part, and Torchlight was sort of a baby's first action RPG experience that was a Diablo clone, but not as intensely violent and gory. Torchlight 2 on the Switch is a port of everything I loved about the original game, but obviously with a new version of of Torchlight, although at this point this game's been around for a very long time, Torchlight 2 that is, I feel like if you haven't played Torchlight 2, this version is a very accessible port, it's very fun, Um, the visual style is always still poignant, and I appreciate the nice balance of combat and exploration. It's obviously not going to match the size and scale and depth, really, of something like Diablo 3, but Torchlight 2 is a very charming, very well-rounded action RPG, and it's a nice lead into the third one, which should be coming out sometime this year. If you're looking for a, a Western action RPG that has a more intensive focus on, say, story and choice, Focus Interactive has Vampire on the Switch, and Vampire is a very interesting game. A lot of people thought it was going to be another Dark Souls uh, story-rich version, I guess, but Vampire itself is actually more focused on narrative development, character development, and moment-to-moment choices that shape both the character and the game world. Without spoiling it too much, you find that a lot of the people that you either choose to save or basically feast upon end up impacting the environment around you and open up or close off quest lines, which makes Vampire a very inter- interesting experiment. It's not the best game that I've ever played, But as far as what it's set out to do, I think it's very ambitious, and it's worth giving a shot if it's on sale. I could technically recommend Overwatch on the Switch, because Overwatch remains one of the most popular multiplayer shooters of all time, but if you've got a different console to play it on, just avoid the Switch. I just just feel like, at this point, Overwatch has been around long enough that the best way to experience it is on either one of the main consoles, or more likely on PC. The Switch port is fine, I just don't think it's all that special, and it's definitely a lesser version of the same game. If you want another uh, JRPG in the vein of, say, something like Xenoblade 2, then Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition is one of the very best that's out there. This one and Dragon Quest Shadows of an Elusive Age are both fantastic JRPGs, each with its own unique artistic style. I think that, in my opinion, Tales of Vesperia is the more traditional one, and then Dragon Quest is the more fantastical one. Both are great games, and I feel like you won't go wrong with either of them, and I don't know that I can really choose between the two. I definitely liked Vesperia a little bit more, but you seriously can't go wrong with either. In the same manner, Nino Kuni on the Switch is also an easy recommend if you've never played it. Another great JRPG. There's actually a lot of JRPGs in general, and I, f- I found that the more I own the, the Switch, the more of them I start to play. I used to never be into this genre for some reason, but nowadays I, that's one of my favorite single-player experiences to have. I don't know why, but it's just kind of changed to be that way. I think the bottom line is the Switch has a lot of niche games like this, and if you enjoy JRPGs especially, or visual novels, you know, aside from the big-budget console experiences that you can get, the Switch offers a lot more of these niche indie titles and Japanese imports that typically publishers haven't messed around with too much on major consoles. That same line of thinking extends to some of the Bandai Namco games, which I've mentioned a few of them like Nino Kuni, but these other ones are, are sort of one-offs, I would say, that are, are more in the niche territory. My Hero One's Justice is a great fighting game if you love the My Hero series. I very much enjoy it. It functions pretty well on the uh, Switch. Not perfectly. It's not a perfect port. You know, definitely have frame rate drops. But again, it's My Hero on the Switch. I think you can live with the sacrifices. 
The sword art games I feel a little bit differently about. You have to really like sword art, and in my case, I'm not like a huge fan of the series. I feel like sword art, uh, whichever one the I think it's Hollow Realization is the considered the best overall one. That one is sort of based around the first series as Game World, and Hollow Realization actually is a pretty decent port. The game itself is very grindy and has a lot of complicated systems because it's meant to emulate an MMO, but for single-player mode, in my opinion, it's quirky enough that you really need to be a fan of the series, and because it also has a lot of visual novel elements, I feel like the slow pace and occasionally cumbersome menus are really going to limit the appeal for the audience. The last one I'm going to mention tonight is, of course, none other than Animal Crossing, which comes out on this Friday. And if you've never played Animal Crossing, it's, again, a bit like a... uh, a farming simulator with some village building and economics management. This new Animal Crossing has changed the formula a bit insofar as you have uh, additional crafting options and you also have to essentially attract visitors to your island. And there's kind of a crappy multiplayer mode attached to it, but I think most people are just going to play on their own. Animal Crossing is going to be the big release of of 2020, I would wager. Unless there's a bigger game, I'm just not seeing it. I think that this is going to be at least for Nintendo, one of the biggest launches of the season. I tried the demo at PAX, and even though the demo itself was kind of crap because it's a four-player co-op and you don't really have that much control in that mode, I still enjoyed it, and I think the actual game itself is going to be a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to it, and Friday can't get here soon enough. This hopefully gives you a Nintendo Switch primer on some games that you should start out with if you haven't played any of them or are looking for something a little bit off the beaten path. Hopefully these are new to you, although I'm sure most of you have played these on some other platform at another point because the Switch has a lot of great ports. That concludes tonight's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. And for now, adjust your set to Locked On NHL National. Have a great night, and go Jets go!